Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome in, everybody, to the Thursday, May 28th edition of the OBR Newswire Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we dig into today's topic, going to talk to you again about the special folks over at betonline.ag who have fantastic opportunities running, not only for live sports that are kicking back up, such as some of the fantastic golf tournaments that have been going on. Keep paying attention to the Madden 20 simulations, their $10,000 Madden bracket challenge. March Madness style, free to free for you to enter, among many other great opportunities, including the UFC and NASCAR as it is kicked back up. Um, the NBA is right around the corner, possibly the MLB. No better time to get that welcome bonus that you can get using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Get online, go to betonline.ag, check out the offer, get that welcome bonus, start cashing in, start making some money. Again, betonline.ag using the promo code BLUEWIRE. We are going to talk about the hot-button topic of the day, which is the Devian Clowney rumor that we heard more about. Cleveland Browns offering the most money. Um, there's no decision that has been made, obviously, but the Browns are at least, we know, very, very interested in this player. So we're going to talk to um, OBR colleague and Bleacher Report columnist Brent Sobleski and dig into the nitty-gritty details about what this could look like for Cleveland and whether it ultimately ends up happening. So let's get over to that interview right now. Sobos here. want to talk to him about Jadevian Clowney's the hot-button topic. Adam Schefter reporting that the most money on the table from any team to Clowney so far has been from Cleveland. And it's particularly interesting to me given that they have um, on the roster, in my opinion, three very, very talented defensive ends. Um, you could you could probably stop at three if you have your own opinion out there in the world on, on Chad Thomas. But if they're looking at Jadevian Clowney, it's interesting. And it's, it's particularly interesting to me, Sobo, how the response has been to the news that Clowney is uncertain about Cleveland, right? If he has got the most money on the table from Cleveland – He's uncertain about some things regarding the franchise. So should Browns fans be offended by that is a big question, right? Like, should they feel slighted by a player saying, I'm uncertain about the prospect? Even if they've offered me the most money, I'm uncertain about going to Cleveland. Like, what is your gut reaction to that? Well, first of all, let's point out that this isn't anything groundbreaking. This has been known for quite some time. We've reported it on an Orange and Brown report that Cleveland had offered the biggest deal and that Clowney rebuked it. So this is nothing new today as compared to what we to the start of free agency. So there was time to digest this first and foremost and understand where he was coming from his point of view. Should you take it personally as someone that lives in Cleveland, that loves the city, that loves his team? Absolutely not. It's not. It's more than just a business decision. And this is something that I like to discuss quite often when it comes to individuals that play this sport. They're not commodities. These aren't just numbers that show up on your Madden game and you get to play 
you know, every evening when you come home from work. These are individuals who have their own preferences, that have certain aspects of their life that they want to live in a certain manner. So sometimes the city plays a major part in those decisions. And in this case, this is where it was not a it was not a destination team in Cleveland for Jadavion Clowney. He was more interested in in places like returning to Seattle, which was understandable considering his his recent history. Also, Tennessee, and the reason you look at Nashville, well, twofold. One, if you want to look from it from a financial perspective, no state income tax. And that needs to play into factor for some people, and they need to realize that agents look at those types of things. And second, you had a history of Mike Vrabel. So those are two other teams they're, they're very much part of the, this discussion and why they would be more preferable for Jadavion Clowney. So looking at this, everyone says money talks, money talks, money talks, money talks. But that's not always the case. You can always point to free agents. You can always point to individuals who don't necessarily go for the biggest deal. It happens all the time in the NFL. And whether it's because of situation city, system, or just just um, how they feel that they can win long-term, all these factor into the equation. And from a outsider perspective, we shouldn't judge those individuals simply because we hear a report that he was offered the, offered the, most, the most by such and such team. So in this case, Jake, I, shouldn't, I, I don't think anyone should find it offensive. I think he had different plans on what he wanted to accomplish this offseason, and every team came up short. That's including the Cleveland Browns. And if they were able to offer him what he initially expected coming into the, into the new league year, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. Just because you offered the most didn't mean you offered what he was what he wanted and when he became available to sign. And so all of these things play a factor into this entire process. And he's going to be patient and, and he can wait. And he has an opportunity to look at it and say, I want to be in the right situation because if he's forced – to sign for less than what he initially wanted, maybe he signs that one-year deal to go to an organization where he feels he can maximize his earning value and re-enter the market in 2021. And that's not necessarily what Cleveland wants. Yeah, I think that people like are just automatically offended by it. He doesn't want to play for the Browns. And you lay out the factors like you did, Sobo. To me, it tells me that there's more to it. And people need to understand that you know, we root for a franchise that you have to be yourself rooted, different form of the word root there. You see what I did? You have to be yourself rooted in realistic nature here and say, if I'm not a Browns fan, how do people from outside this franchise view it? And I would have hesitation. There's been coaching turnover in three straight seasons. There is consistently floundering organizational um consistency from the front office right you're betting your next contract on this franchise and the fact that you need to win you need to produce and at the end of the day the cliche there the end of the day you don't have the great feeling of organizational structure top to bottom although we feel like it's getting there there is no proof of that there is no consistent winning and i could see why a guy would wait to say hey let's see what this looks like 
when when things open up and all the teams get back into their buildings and we can look at painting some clear pictures on where this season's going, I'm going to play the patient game. It's encouraging for me that the Browns are willing to invest that money in him. Um, although, like you said, it might not still yet be enough. It is the most on the table, uh, according to uh, the OBR and some other prominent figures. The Browns want to invest in this young man. What are they getting? You know, there's a lot of back and forth on Clowney as far as production and the, the, the lack of the elite, air quote, sack numbers. What, what, what does he bring to Cleveland if he were to come this way? Well, first of all, Jake, let me take a step back and, take, and and let's look at this from a macro point of view. And and from to build on your point that you just stated, Cleveland's not the only team to make an offer to Jadavion Clowney this offseason. The Miami Dolphins did as well, and it was supposedly very rich offer near the start of free agency. And and when he decided to turn that down, they went hard after uh, you know with Shaq Lawson and uh, Emmanuel Ogba. So this there they were looking to potentially build around him as well in this instance. So it actually lends to your point that he's looking for a certain situation to come in and compete. And most likely it's not a, re- a rebuilding or a, a tempestuous situation like the Cleveland Browns. And so to that point, I think it shows he's looking for something slightly different other than just a big dollar signing. And so I wanted to build on that just to prove the point that he is someone that's not necessarily just going to look at those dollar signs. Now, from what what I would say personally, I think it's short-sighted. And the reason I think it's short-sighted feeds into the question you just asked me. When you look at him, where he would operate as essentially the base end in your 4-3 front, uh, opposite Miles Garrett, you're not going to find a better running mate <laughs> of any other team, essentially, than Miles Garrett to really take pressure, to have them constantly slide protection to, uh, away from you towards him and to maximize your capabilities despite disappointing in recent years with your sack production. The difference between Jadavion Clowney and what everyone expected from him, they when he came in the league from South Carolina as the number one overall pick, we knew it was a bit of a projection. We knew that it was based a lot on natural tools, but that lacked refinement. Miles Garrett was far more refined. The Bosa brothers, far more refined. Chase Young, far more refined. Clowney was as physically talented, if not more than all of them, but yet the furthest behind on the developmental curve. And so when you look at where he currently stands, he's never became that consistent 10 to 12 sack guy each and every year. And so when people look at him, they wonder why a team would even consider making a double-digit millionaire offer to him in free agency. And the reason is simple, and, and this is something I brought up on, on Twitter today, is he excels in areas where it doesn't necessarily reflect in your traditional statistics. So let's do a compare and contrast for a second. I know we're going to get to this more in a bit, but if you compare him to what Cleveland already has at defensive end, meaning Olivier Vernon, Jadavion Clowney is superior against the run in setting the edge. He's going to consistently rock offensive tackle. He's consistently going to hold the edge. He's going to consistently get in the backfield, not only as a disruptor in the pass game, but also in the run game. And that's and that's and that's a higher value from that point of view compared to Olivier Vernon. Now, would you want more out of him from a pass rushing perspective? Absolutely. And there's no argument against that. But at the same time, when you pair him with a Miles Garrett, you would you naturally 
see the development, I believe, in him as a as an edge rusher getting and finishing the plays instead of simply being adding pressure. So looking at him, what he could do in the Brown system, I think has the potential to be something very, very great based on if he would actually sign. I don't think it's going to go that route, but if it was, if that opportunity did arise, that him and Garrett would be a wonderful tandem to really build your entire defense around. So with, with that said, you think he's, the perfect fit. He can move around. He can do different things. He can play the run game. He can get after the quarterback with a little bit easier burden than what he was traditionally dealing with. What happens to Olivier Vernon in that situation? Do you see them saying, okay, we probably need to move on from that $15 million? Or do you see them fitting four guys into this rotation? Well, let, let, let's go back on this a second. Because while I think he would fit what they want to do, and I don't, I don't think you would argue against that, Jake, based on the way we've seen the 49ers operate this past year, the way that he can step in and play. I always refer to it as a base, and I'm not sure which, which, you know, which nomenclature you use coming up through the ranks. But when I think of that Seahawks, that Seahawks defense, you, you have the traditional Leo, at least from Pete Carroll's system, where you have the rush end, can play from a two-point stance. He used to call it the elephant, at least when USC had like Clay Matthews and stuff coming up through the ranks. And all those guys play from a two-point stance. Then on the opposite side, or in those early years in Seattle, you had Red Bryant. For those who don't remember Red Bryant, he was about a 330-pound defensive end. And he was considered their base end, meaning he was the guy that was going to consistently set the edge. He was going to play the run. And you want to get as much of a pass rush from him. Obviously, Clowning is very good against the run and can play that role, but you would expect more of them from a pass rusher. And as such, when you invest in that type of player, you're most likely not retaining Olivier Vernon, not at $15.5 million this year, especially when he doesn't have any guaranteed salary this year if they decided to move on. The investment in both is probably too much and too insurmountable for a team to manage moving forward, especially when you start discussing rollover cap, long-term financial flexibility, you're, it's almost an either-or situation. And so, yes, you would improve in that area, but one thing I would say is this. While I do think he would fit what they want to do and could do so very well, I'm not necessarily of the belief that it's the right move for the team currently. And by that, I'm looking at it from, are you – getting a player that's so much better to what you have currently on the roster that it would be that it's commensurate with the amount of value that you may be pushing not only this year increased, but following years if you sign him long term. And that's where I see the differentiation here, because when you look at when you look when you look at Vernon and I know he has been a whipping boy for a lot of Browns fans, but he was a very very good player when he was healthy last year. And and one of the stats that I've used consistently, at least from a pass rushing productivity standard, is Olivier Vernon actually was higher, had a higher percentage of pressures last year based on pass rush snaps than Jadavion Clowney at 13.2% compared to 12%. So you see the effectiveness with Vernon. Now, he, Clowney last year wasn't playing opposite Garrett. That obviously will make a difference. But at the same time, he didn't blossom like everyone expected either. So you have to make that make that assertion of whether he is really the guy you want to invest in long term. And the argument obviously is going to be injuries. Well, Olivier Vernon's obvi- always injured. Well, guess what? 
Jadavion Clowney's only played 16 games once in his entire career. And one of the reasons he remains unsigned, or at least was in the early portions of free agency, is he, is he has long-term potential concerns over a knee injury. And if it, whether there's going to be, um, you know, much like Todd Gurley, that you get that arthritic knee concerns, debilitating or degenerative knee along the way. And, and that plays a factor as well that a lot of people don't discuss. So looking at this, I think from in a vacuum, when you look at Clowney, you think to yourself, man, he would be awesome to pair with Garrett. And it'd be hard to make an argument against it if they eventually decided to make that move. But if they don't, it may actually be in their best interests. It's fantastic stuff, man. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out, how they view the fit, how they would view sort of structuring that contract with some of the uh, potentially bigger ones they have coming down the line. I can't wait to see how it shakes out. It's it's uh, it's interesting for the Browns to be involved in a player like this at a position like this especially considering what's on the roster. So there's a lot of interesting parts seeing how that puzzle fits together. So uh, fantastic stuff. So I appreciate your time, my man. Well, Jake, I'm going to put you on the spot before we go. Tell me, yes or no, would you sign Clowney over Vernon or vice versa? Well, I think you need a defensive end at some point, like whether that's drafting one next year or looking for some sort of projectable piece down the line. If you can get an under, you know, we talked about this when I've had you on in the past about the, the figure that they paid Jack Conklin and how it turned out to be much less than we anticipated. If you can get an under the value sort of two to three year deal on Clowney, I would be more than open to it. I, I, I certainly think um, that if the market shapes out the way you maybe didn't expect it to, and I think that's what Cleveland's banking on right now, is maybe it's not what clowny wants but it's actually under what the market may have set for him cleveland could be out in the forefront of this so i would be a i would be more than okay to do it okay we're going to finish the show on this yes or no does clowny signing with cleveland i'll I'm, say no i'm going to say yes and then we're going to revisit this and we're going to talk about it wherever he ends up signing or if he ends up coming to cleveland we'll talk about his fit I'm fascinated by this, man. I think it'll be really interesting. You're on the no side. I think it's going to somehow shake out to be a yes. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover this again at some point, my friend. That's fine. Make me the bad guy on the anniversary of Razor Ramon showing up on WCW all those years ago. Hey, that's that's what I got to do, man. And it's it's uh, I got to keep my good guy reputation going. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Jay. Hey, no problem, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we will, you know, we will be back again with uh, John Stephenson as we look at the last, or what would be the second part of his defending Lamar Jackson series. Hope you guys will take a look at that. Had something up on Sione Taki Taki. Make sure you take a peek at that. As you can see, what's uh, so see what his 105 snaps look like on defense last year. How he might fit this year. More great stuff at the OBR. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to the uh, podcast you're listening to here and the YouTube channel. And make sure you continue to listen to the OBR Newswire podcast. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, go Browns.